0: hey you guys this is books and crimes i'm Mimi with my co-host jb she's bathing as always um so i'm actually going to just go ahead and jump into this one like always i don't know why i always sit there and say that but this one's actually really freaking long and the bad thing is is i left out a lot of details and like during the trial and stuff yeah you see how long these notes are it took me over three weeks to get this shit together and i like left a lot Okay. So this story is about the 10 Rillington place. It t- took place in, um, I want to say London, but it took place all over in that area because okay. he moved around. So um, yeah, the 10 Rillington place and the main guy's name is John Reynolds Halliday Christie. Oh, that's yeah. Um, so he was born April eighth, eighteen ninety nine, to Mary Halliday Christie and Ernest Jonathan Christie. He was the youngest of seven kids, which were all sisters. So he's he's number seven out of oh, so he's the Yeah. Um. So his father was a, considered as a very strict man. It was said that he was extremely religious. It would make them walk in straight, like, postures miles to and from church. Um, he disciplined the kids, but mainly on John because, you know, back then it was, like, tough love. You know, you're a little boy. You shouldn't be baby. You should be out there by the time you're five knowing how to do a fucking tractor and herding up the cows. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, you're expected to be a certain way. Um, So yeah, he was mainly mean to John, and because he was the boy, so tough love. And if his what is, if his dad wasn't showing tough love towards him, then he was basically ignoring him altogether. John's sisters were very dominant and ruling, and they all picked on him basically because he wasn't manly enough. So his sisters and and the other kids in the neighborhood. Sugar warning. This is not my word. They would call him queer. Um, his mom was extremely tough, but because he was the baby and he was the only little boy, she actually babied him. like, um, Yeah. Like if dad beat on him, you know, back then it wasn't okay for a woman to step in and stop the guy from, yeah. you know, being on the child. So she allowed it to happen. But as soon as it happened, she'd be in there, you know, like it's okay. Hold a name. You know, I love you. Stuff like that. Uh, for so John was actually considered to be known to keep to himself. He was very quiet and not popular at all. But even though he got picked on and wasn't popular, he was extremely smart. He won a scholarship to the Halifax Secondary School. Um, I tried to look up on that school, but it just came across like it's an, like it's a regular school. But I'm it, not might really a, sure. it might be a regular school now. Right, right, right. Because, because what they have it named down now is not what it was back then. Or either the name that they have down now is not what it is now. okay. So the name end up changes. So that could be true. Um, by the age of 11, he was extremely good at algebra and math. He was very talented at detail work, like doing detail work on wood and designing and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, he sang in the church choir and was in the Boy Scouts. Sometime in his life, he had his IQ tested, and his IQ tested to be 128. So I had to Google it. The highest known IQ is um, 250 to 300, and that was from a guy in 1944. He died at the age of 46. His name was William Situs. Um, Even... Albert Einstein's and Bill Gates IQ was between 160 and 180. So he was like up there with like fucking smart people. He was hella smart. Yeah. Um. When John was eight years old, his grandfather, which was his dad's dad, died. And he says that he remembered going up to the body and thinking he was once so scared of his grandfather and now he wasn't. He felt like now that he could be in control because the body was just a body. And once you're dead, you're dead. At this time, As the time went on and John got older at an age where he wanted to start having sex, he tried to have sex with this one girl from his high school, but he couldn't get, you know, a (laughs) hard-on. Well, the girl, of course, went back to school and told everyone about it. Uh, So from there, he started getting the nicknames uh, Reggie No Dick and Can't Do It Christy. Yeah, that's horrible. They fucked with him hard. Of course, this made him mad because it would remind him of how the only time he would get a hard on is if he would see his sisters. Even just by seeing their legs, he would get hard. That's right. So, as John started getting older, he started seeking out prostitutes. Um, he liked prostitutes because he could actually be extremely rough with them. He could do the BDSM. He could... Um, feel dominance, he could do basically any type of aggression towards them, and they can't do anything. I mean, even if they go tell their sex workers, you know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to believe them. They don't care. Um the, I believe he was only 18 when the World War I had came about in 1916. So John had enrolled, and sometime during the battle, he actually got attacked by mustard slash yellow glass, yellow gas. This landed him in the hospital. He claimed to have um, temporarily went blind. He had hearing issues and lost his voice, but was discharged from the hospital within a few weeks. to Go back to the army. Now there was never any proof that he actually went blind or lost his hearing. Some sources says that he was discharged from the hospital, back to the army. But if that was the case, he wouldn't have been able to go home, or he wouldn't have been able to go back to the army. He wouldn't either. he, He he got discharged to go back to the army, either back to war or to go home. They wouldn't let him go in less than a month, anyways, because he got discharged out of the hospital within a month. So even if he had like you know blindness or hearing they wouldn't have like discharged him that quick Yeah. um so he was actually let go from the army in 1919 and enlisted in 1923 into the air force but then was let go in 1924 um sometime in 1920 he actually met his wife Ethel Simpson um but even though he was married, he couldn't stop having sex with prostitutes. The town will gossip saying that Ethel stayed because she was either scared of John because John did a lot of petty crimes, like stealing, basically. In 1921, John was working as a postman and got caught stealing mail. He received three to nine months because some of them said six to nine months and then some of them said three to six months. So I just put three to nine months um, And jail for stealing the mail. In 1923, John was put on probation and did time. Because he did something with bad money. I don't know if it was like, you know, how like you write bad checks or something. Nowadays you get in trouble. Yeah. Um, in 1924, he received three to six months in jail for more stealing. Uh, in 1929, John and Ethel actually separated from what I read, it was because it went soon after they got um, married. They tried to have a child, and she ended up having a miscarriage. in between everything that was going on, um, with him getting in trouble with stealing and stuff like that, she just couldn't take it no more. Oh, um, They stayed separated for about ten years, and then John was living with a girlfriend that he had at a time and her kid. He ended up assaulting the woman. I think like he he hit her or something. Uh, the woman was actually smart enough to leave and press charges, so he received three months of hard labor. In nineteen thirty three, John went to jail for three months because he stole a car from a priest. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, that decided to be friends with him. (laughs) Poor priest. He's like, I'm trying to be nice and what do you do? Yeah, you fucked me over, dude. The (laughs) fuck. Okay, sometime later, John and Ethel got back together, and he stopped doing all the little petty crimes, like, you know, the stealing and stuff like that, but he didn't stop with the prostitutes. In 1937, John moved himself and Ethel into a flat on the top floor, so this building was actually considered as a house, they just made it where three different families could live in there, like, the... the, the very top floor only had, like, two bedrooms. The middle floor only had, like, one bedroom. And then the ground floor had, like, three bedrooms. Okay. All these places shared one bathroom. Oh, hell! One washroom and one little garden. Yeah. Um. So the garden was only, like, 14 by 16 feet, which is really not that big. Yeah, it's not that big. In 1938... When the ground flat became available, Ethel and John moved into into the ground flat. And at this time, John had took a job at the Harrow Road Police Department. And I'm guessing the police department didn't really care about his petty crimes because um, basically the war was still going on. So they were probably like, short on men and they actually needed somebody, you know, like... You're a guy who needed... A- yeah, like kind of like the weaklings kind of stayed behind so they put them into other work besides actual work uh while working at the police department he used this as a way to be able to track down the prostitutes but he also started to have an affair with a woman who was also working at the department her name was gladys um their relationship actually lasted until 1943 until one day gladys husband who was a soldier, came home to find his wife and John in the bed together. So, the husband beat the shit out of John. He did. Um, so, I guess this actually got John, like, all but hurt that he got his ass beat and he decided that he would just start killing people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, John went on a 10-year killing spree from 1943 oh. to 1953. Wow. That's a long time. All right. So we're going to take a little break real quick because this is where we're going to jump into all the, um, the victims and some of this actually, gets kind of like, crazy. yeah, trigger warning. If you can't handle rape and you know, things, hearing things like that, cut it off now. You don't want to hear this because there's, uh, eight victims. So take a little break and then for our sponsor and then we'll jump into it. John's first victim was 21-year-old Austrian woman whose name was Ruth First. And at first like, yes, well, F-U-E-R-S-T. And I know this is like dark humor right here, but it's kind of sad that that was his first victim and her last name was (laughs) Burst. I'm not laughing at her death. I'm laughing at the situation. Not her situation, just the name. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Okay. (laughs) Ruth had a job of delivering ammo and food, which was basically like the care packages for the soldiers. But she would bring in extra income from doing sex work. Now, in all the things that I looked up, they kept using the word prostitute, and I do not feel comfortable using that word, so I switched it all up for sex work and sex workers. Damn it, my time went up. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Okay, he met Ruth at a snack bar, which when I looked that up, it was, was, I guess they said it was like a cafe, so I'm assuming like a restaurant tap, like. Cafe type thing. Okay. Um, she was actually there trying to get customers. So John talked to her for a little while before inviting her back to his house. Now, his wife, Ethel, was at families, which she does this extremely a lot. She leaves town to go to her sisters and stuff. I think, you think like maybe she secretly knew what he was doing? Or um, might not murder, but at least being with the lady. I think she knew a lot more, which we'll get into it. Um, I think she knew a lot more than what she put on because a lot of the shit that he did, there's no way you can tell me that you don't know. Like you're either just that dumbfound. You're either that scared or you just don't give a fuck because there's, um, there's just no way she didn't know. I have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So on August 1943, John had sex with Ruth, but as soon as they were done, he took a rope and strangled Ruth to death. He liked the feeling and control that he had doing this and wanted to do more. Some sources said that he thought about, thought about, and some said that he actually did put her body under the floor in the living room, but either way, she actually ended up getting buried in the garden. Um, one of the few things that I was listening to Did and I read on. anybody else read this because there's still two other. Well, people? the top, the third floor is actually empty at this time because, or they're living on the third floor. Um, I'm not sure about the first floor. The the second floor um, is an extremely older man, so he's probably oh, not paying attention to anything going on. Um, I was just wondering if I was say, like, really, nobody was this <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was saying. So either way, she did end up getting buried into the garden. What the things that I was listening to and reading on, they said that the reason why he went ahead and killed Ruth was because um, right after they had sex, he went not like, you know, stressing about killing her or nothing. Um, but a telegram boy had came to the door or something, I guess. I don't know how telegrams work back then, but he like came and told him that his wife and brother-in-law was actually going to leave early from up there and come back home. So he was like, oh shit, I got to do something. Like, so he like tried to fucking like, instead of just sending her on her way, I guess he was just like, I got to kill you. (laughs) um, at the end of 1943 John had quit his job at the police department and started working at a radio factory where he met Mariel Eddie which is his second second victim Mariel was 21 years old and she had she actually had her life together she had a long time long-term boyfriend um who also knew John she had money she, And one of her friends and her boyfriend would always hang out at John's houses. They would hang out with Ethel and John. Um, They would all go to the movies together and sit around and drink tea. Muriel did have breathing problems, though, um, and a really bad cough, probably because of the chemicals that was released in the air during the war that was going on. Um, But the thing that they said that she had, it could have just been like a mucus buildup type thing. So John told Mariel to come over and he knew how to make a mixture up to clear out her mucus so that she wouldn't cough as much anymore and stuff like that. He told her that he learned how to make it when he was in the army because when he was gassed by the yellow gas, he couldn't breathe without having this specific thing. Now, mind you okay, so I wanted I was supposed to put this in, but I forgot to. When he supposed we got or what he did get, you know hit with the gas and it supposed to be made him go blind and lose his hearing and his voice and stuff like that he eventually developed his voice back but his voice was like a high-pitched whisper squeaky type sound like he never tried to talk normal again after that like he he got caught once or twice in an argument he raised his voice and then he was like oh shit and he went back to like being like i don't know like yeah high school. hey you want to come over here and come to my house and like what the fuck no <laughs> um anyway so mario actually agrees to come over because you know like i said she's been to his house she's hung out with ethel they went on to movies they drink tea all the time you know stuff like that so she wasn't thinking anything came out. she just like, well we're, we're kind of friends so okay yeah um he has her sit in the chair he gave her a tube to breathe in, and then he played it, placed a sheet over her head to help her like, you know, relax, get calm and stuff like that. So this mixture was actually carbon monoxide, uh, coal gas, and ferrous balsam, f-r-a-i-r-s, e-e-l-s-m. So from what I looked up, what that is, it's supposed to be like a type of medicine that's kind of like Icy Hot or Bengay or something. So it has a very strong, minty smell. Um, Extremely so strong that apparently it covered the smell of gas. Because, you know, carbon monoxide don't really have a smell. I guess that's why you're supposed to have the fire detectors that, yeah. you know, can... Yeah, because you can't detect it. Yeah. Um, as Muriel kept breathing in, she eventually passed out. When John noticed that she was knocked out, he started having sex with her and then strangled her with a rope and then buried her next <laughs> Fast forward to the roof. Passports 1948. A man named Timothy Evans, who was 24 years old and his wife burial, who was 19. Beryl. Beryl? Beryl. Beryl. Damn it. I, can't, I kept saying this. B-E-R-Y-L. Beryl? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I am drinking, so if you keep hearing uh-huh. me burp, my bad. Beryl? Beryl? Okay, anyways. She was 19 years old. They actually end up moving into the top floor of the 10-Williams Place. Shortly after moving in, they end up having a little girl named Geraldine. Um, because I can't remember if I mentioned it or not. Um, by this time, John and Ethel moved into the bottom floor. Yes. Okay. So Tim and Beryl had struggled with money and Tim was a alcoholic. He couldn't hold down a job. He was also abusive to Beryl. He cheated on her and he was just a crappy husband at times. And at times it just and at this time, you know, like it, it was not accepted to be, you know, to get a divorce. Like you could separate from a woman, but if you as a woman wanted a divorce, you were looked down on. Plus what in that time you really couldn't get anything to support yourself because women was looked down on at then so Tim and Beryl was kind of close to John and Ethel they drank tea together a lot John and Ethel would watch Geraldine for Beryl when she would go out and try to find work you know like they were really freaking close so in 1949 Tim and Beryl found out that they were actually pregnant again and in London in the 1900s, um, abortions was extremely illegal and not too many people would do it behind closed doors because, you you know, you would get in jail. Um, and the people who did want to do it wanted extremely big money, so that way, you know, they went yeah. to jail. Um, it was worth Yeah. And the Evans were extremely poor, so they actually couldn't go to somebody, you know, behind the scenes behind the doors um that's when they told john about the situation and john said oh well i can do it i used to practice it while i was in the army now mind you this should have been flag number one because red flag number one because even tim who had the iq of 78 was smart enough to say uh hell no like first of all bro you're in the army what abortions are you late practicing late my, but, thing, like, <laughs> my thing is is uh, if Ethel was going to the movies with the second victim, wouldn't she wonder what the hell happened to her? That's what I'm saying. Like, your friend just suddenly Just stops coming around like, is this a normal thing? Like... <laughs> but the more Barrow was talking to Tim, he slowly started agreeing, but he was agreeing to different ways. So they tried home remedies like a drink, um... Pills, things like that. One day had, one day Tim had left for work, and John ran into Beryl. He told her to come by and he would do the abortion. So she basically agreed. And when Tim arrived to the home, he found out that Beryl did not survive the abortion. So Tim breaks out, and John told him that they had to hide the bodies or they would both end up in jail. So Tim and John moved the body. I'm sorry, I said bodies. They moved the body to a. Um, like a sewer drainage place thing. Oh my gosh, she put her in the sewer. Yeah. Oh. Um, John told Tim that he actually needed to leave town for a while. And when Tim's mom actually started questioning, like where where was Beryl, you know, where was her granddaughter, things like this, Tim started freaking out. Now while Tim was gone, John told him that he would actually look after Geraldine and find her a new home. Which there again makes no sense. Like It would be, to me, less suspicious for a thought, like, okay, you guys have a really bad relationship, so she ups and leaves. It's a little suspicious that she wouldn't take her daughter, but he was never abusive to the baby. Yeah. So, for her to up and leave, okay, but for you to just disappear and not have your daughter or your wife? That looks weird. Exactly. Um. Tim finally Oh uh, sorry, where was I? At? He said that he would find her a new home. When Tim's mom was asking more and more questions, Tim finally said that Burl was talking about suicide if she couldn't end the pregnancy and she was taking pills and then some man had gave her a drink, and that's when he found her body and he hid her by the sewer drainage. Tim also said he left Geraldine with the oops, sorry, with the man and cannot find her location. So the police show up and John was like, well, what's going on? And the police told him, oh, well, your neighbor admitted to killing his wife. So we're here actually searching this property to see if we can find the bodies because he said he buried him on this property. Uh, the police found they found the drainage, but there was actually no body there. So the more and more they kept looking, they actually found Beryl Gerald and Geraldine in a body of a 16-week-old baby boy. He killed the baby. <laughs> all of this, all of a sudden, Tim's story changed. He then said John did it. And then he changed the story again, admitting to killing his wife, but not John Some say the police actually basically talked him into admitting to killing both of them because he wasn't, you know, he, you know, his IQ was like seventy; so he was, you know, not all the way there. Um, after the police questioned John about it, he had a asked if he had a role in the deaths. He decided to. Oh, well, where was that? After the police questioned John about it, he had... Holy shit. After the police questioned Don if he had a role in the desk, they decided to actually put John on the jury because he was actually a witness to the abuse that Tim did to Beryl. So why would he be on the jury? Um, I guess it's a different time and they yeah. could do. Well, because... Tim kept switching up the story. First he said, No, I killed her. And then no, John did it. And then no, actually I did do it, but I didn't do it to my daughter. I can't believe that man killed that. Killed that baby. What a um Bar Beryl, who was twenty, was actually strangled with a rope. And Geraldine, who was only thirteen months years old, which is only a year, um, was strangled with pantyhose. Oh. They charged him with murder of Geraldine Evans, but not Beryl and the unborn son because in London, I don't know if it's still true to this day, but back then you could not be charged with one, more than one murder. Sam was supposed to be hung January 1950, but they tried to appeal, but was denied and was hung in April 1950. His last words was, I didn't do it. John Christie killed him. When the coroner looked at Beryl's body and saw that she was strangled with a rope, her face was beaten so bad that her top lip touched her nose and she had she had been beaten 20 minutes prior to her death. Not too long after this, in December 1952, John quit his job again, telling people that he and his wife were moving to a new house in a different location. But he had a because he had a better job opportunity. Uh, Ethel, his wife started actually getting really sick at this time, and because she was getting sicker, she wasn't able to try travel away as much, which started stressing him out because that means he couldn't bring people back to the house. Right. He also started stressed because Ethel was scared of the new tenants. Um I'm not gonna use the words that they use, but we'll say the Caribbeans started coming over him and the landlord was actually squeezing as many as eight families into each. Yeah. Nothing. That's eight. Sixteen. That's sixteen plus John and Ethel using one bathroom. Ugh. <laughs> um. So John actually started throwing fits with the landlord and threatened to take him to court. So the landlord finally agreed for John and Ethel to have the whole bottom plot to themselves. The washroom to themselves and the garden to themselves as long as they just shut the fuck up. Well, what the hell are the to the uh apparently they have well the washroom is like where you did your wash, like your laundry. Oh. So they would just have to go find somewhere else to wash. And they all had to share the bathroom. You didn't get privilege of just that one bathroom. But they were not allowed on the garden. And I guess because John was, like, freaking out, like, if all these people were going on the garden, they might develop, like, you know, might see the yeah. fucking bodies. Um, December 14, 1952, he woke up to a filling in the bed of the, of the bed shaking. He was seen his wife from By the time he saw her, he thought it was too late. He actually did try to help her, but once he realized how bad it was, he just took pantyhose and he strangled her. He said that he left her in the bed for about two or three days because he didn't know what to do with her. And finally, he put her on the living room floor because he wanted her to stay close by. Eventually, he noticed that a smell was going on and started putting stuff over it. Um, I want to call it like lying, but I'm not really sure what he used. Oh shit, your wife's going to (laughs) smell Yeah. Um, At one point, the police actually came inside the house. I'm not really sure about why they came inside the house but um when the police officer actually came to the house he mentioned some about the smell and that's when um john said that um he started blaming it on the neighbors because the neighbors if i'm not mistaken were jamaicans and uh i guess if you're not used to other cultures food you would think it does smell funny Um, so that's what he blamed it on and of course the police officer was like oh yeah well that makes sense you know there's jamaicans up there cooking they don't eat food the way we eat it they use different seasonings so yeah i can understand why the jamaican's foods are smelling like rotting flesh like you know what i mean like it makes no sense to me because like they every like if to work in a police department you have to know what a dead body smells like right so if you walk into a house, you know, and they say once you smell it, it's a smell that you never forget. Yeah, it has a very distinctive. Smell. Yeah. So how in the hell they got Caribbean food and dead bodies smell mixed up? I don't know. But then again, it could have been at the time. You know, this is in the 50s. There could have been a lot of racism still going on. For um, sure that, you're thinking nobody no problem. That, mm-hmm. not my problem. that is true. <laughs> um. Excuse me. So people actually started noting, noticing that Ethel was missing, and when they would somebody ask, somebody somebody's missing. A lot of the neighbors, because they said uh, two days prior they seen her in the washroom. She was acting healthy and happy, and she was doing good you know moving around getting around stuff like that and all of a sudden she just disappeared someone had a common sense of like, wait a minute didn't see this person <laughs> where did that lady go <laughs> um so john told everybody that she had already left to go to the new house remember i said that they were supposed to be moving right and he actually started writing notes to her sister and her family saying that he had a right for her because now they called it something else, but I could not pronounce that word, but it's where you have extreme swelling in your muscles and in your joints and it makes, it prevents you from being able to move. Like so arthritis? yeah, but it was something else. Rometoid? They didn't, what arthritis? is it? Arthritis? There you go. That's the word. I just put arthritis because I knew how to yeah. pronounce and spell arthritis, so not, but not a not other word you just said. Um. So that's the reason why supposedly he was writing all the letters for his wife to his to her family was because it got so bad in her hand she couldn't write. After Ethel died, uh, John had took her wedding ring, her wedding band, and a watch, and pawned it. All while he was still writing her family, pretending to be her. Like they don't maybe they didn't like john maybe that's the reason why they yeah. never came and she always went up there because they knew he, like he was a piece of shit. yeah by january 1953 john has sold everything in the house the only thing that he had was a mattress three chairs and a kitchen table where the hell did he use three chairs i have no clue <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think because he still did have people come over from time to time to like drink tea and shit like that. So, and then you know you gotta have like your your sex workers feel so somewhat comfortable. And I guess it's like here, come sit down at the kitchen table. Let's have a cup of tea before we fuck and I strangle you to death. So, it's <laughs> fucked oh. up. 1953. He actually forged his wife's signature and emptied out her bank account, which blows my mind. Like you guys have been married for like, even when they separated, they never got divorced. So y'all been married over 20 years, and you both have your own separate bank account. What does that tell you where your relationship is? Where it's like, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. (laughs) Like y'all been married for 20 something years, and it's like, no, this is my money. You have yours. Um, as soon as he cleans out all the money, that's when he starts he stops writing her family. See, now the family better become suspicious. Uh between January 1953 and March 1953, John actually went on to kill three more women. The first woman's name was Rita Nelson, who was 25 years old and was actually there visiting her sister. She was six months pregnant. When questioned about her murder, John said that he brought her back to his home to do sex. And she, which is Rita, started demanding money and screaming and saying that she would, cuss, she would accuse him of assault. They got into a fight and she hit him with a frying pan. That's when they start struggling and she fell into a chair. Mm. That chair supposedly had a rope on it. And that's when he blacked out. He don't remember killing her, but when he came to, he... I was about to say, is he telling the cops that she, she fell into the rope and strangled herself? Actually, yes. Oh my god, what a those. Yeah, oh see that reflection? He said that when she fell in the chair, somehow the rope got strangled around her neck and she strangled. He don't remember killing her though. Wow. When he came to, he woke up, he noticed her body, he got a cup of tea, and he went to bed. When yes. he woke up the next morning, she was still there. Yeah, she's dead. <laughs> so he had another cup of tea, and then he put her in the alcove. And he's telling the cops this. This is when he actually got caught. This is oh. him admitting to the okay. to her crime. I was about to say he was he was stating what actually what he remembers of the situation. A, like that just shows how like you know what kind of cycle he is that he can just drink tea while looking at her dead body. Or being in the same room as her dead body. Oh, girl, that's just just a tip. Um. So that's when he actually put her body into the alcove, which is, I guess it's like a closet or like a pantry type thing. Um. The next, the second woman that he met was named Kathleen Maloney. Maloney? <clears throat> Um, who was only 26 years old? She and another sex worker was actually in a hotel room taking naked pictures. Hello. 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 I'm sorry, guys. Give me just a second. Two people. Okay, so Kathleen Maloney Maloney. Um, She was 26 years old. She was in a hotel room with another sex worker where John would go in and take naked pictures of them. Um, John overheard Kathleen and the other girl talking about getting into a flat together. So John told Kathleen that he was looking to sell his flat for her to come over and see if if she likes it. While she was there, John said that she said something about the landlord and he completely blacked out. And that's when he woke up to see her body sitting in the chair, her body. So he sits her in the chair, has some tea, went to sleep, woke up, had some more tea, and then put her body in the alcove. His last victim was Hectoria Macalena, 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 N A N. Um, she was 26 years old um, Hectoria actually lived with Don and her boyfriend for a couple weeks so they were her and her boyfriend is actually looking for a place to stay for a couple weeks and John said that they could live with him um, after they moved out he actually has two different versions of this story and again this is his stories to the police the first version is that um, John had told him that they had to leave. For some reason, Hectoria had came back. And he recalls, in the midst of the argument, somehow her shirt started choking her. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, mind you, this man has an IQ of 128, and these are the things that you come up with. How like does your shirt just start choking that's you? That's like seeing that gun on the table just... Shut up and just started shooting when nobody was holding. <laughs> 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 guns p- kill people, not people killing people. You know them guns just get up and be and like, like, pew pew. Like nice knives, knives like <laughs> falling out of the <laughs> like the drawer onto the link and stabbing people. Like, Coming out of yeah. the chop holder thing, yeah. just flying across the room. <laughs> 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 um So, he sat her in the chair. Oh, I'm sorry. He recalls her shirt, started choking her. He figured that she was dead. So, he sat her in the chair. He had some tea. After he had tea, he put her in the alcove. His other version is, he says that he asked her to come over for tea. She agrees. Um, But by this time, he actually stepped his ass game up. Like, you know, how he does, like, oh, just inhale this gas. Yeah. And dah, dah, dah. So he actually stepped his game up. He would excuse himself from the um, kitchen and he would turn on the gas from the for the stove from the outside. And when he was outside, you know, that's when they would be breathing in the gas, they would pass out. Um, but Hectoria was actually smart enough where she knew something wasn't right, so she tried to get up and leave. And he actually stopped her. He said he grabbed her by the neck and that's he like he was holding her by the neck and that's when she went left. So he dug her back into the kitchen to make sure that she inhaled more of the gas. And when he knew for a fact that she was out, that's when he decided to make love to her. And then he killed her. Oh my God. After that, that's when he drank some tea. He put her body in the alcove. Her boyfriend actually came over looking for her and John said that he hadn't seen her. He invited the boyfriend in. They drank tea. The boyfriend left and he actually never came back. The boyfriend just assumed that um, Victoria actually went back home to her family. All three women did have carbon monoxide in their systems. John then took wallpaper and covered up the alcove. And while John was at a bar, he overheard a couple looking for a flat. So John told them to come over and look at it. He was trying to sell his. They liked it so he sold them the place and he actually hauls us to another place around town. The landlord found out and kicked the couple out because this is illegal. Yeah. Um, yeah. At this time the landlord actually had another tenant come into the 10 Wellington place um, to remodel it and the man was trying to hang a shelf in the kitchen when he realized that there was a hole in the wall which, that was just covered with um, wallpaper. When he looked behind the wallpaper, that's when he realized that there was three bodies. How did they not smell it? Even, I know if there's wallpaper. The wallpaper. So yeah. what I read was inside this little cellar closet thing, it was extremely cold. So I think oh. because this was in literally just within like four or five months, with it being so cold, it like right, okay, slowed okay. down. Yeah. And then his wife, he was he kept throwing like stuff over it to try to cover the smell. Um, so when they realized that the bodies were there, they called the cops immediately in a city in near nearby city lookout search was out for him. He booked a room for seven nights at a hotel King's Cross Roten. But once he found out that the cops were looking for him, he left after four nights. March 31st, John ran into police and he lied about his identification, but when the cops asked him if he was John Christie, he just said yes. When they searched him, they found he had his ID, his marriage certificate, some coins, his wallet, a union card, and a newspaper clipping of Tim Tim Evans' trial. Why would he have his marriage certificate? I feel like... The reason why he kept the marriage certificate is maybe because that was his, the only thing because he sold everything oh, else for her. Yeah. That was the only thing because he actually loved yeah, her. Yeah, he did. He did care enough. That's why he buried her in the house because. And he tried to save her when he seen that yes. she was like in cardiac arrest type. Yeah, he, so, did yeah he, like, he did try to like. actually care about And I her. feel like maybe the marriage certificate one might have been a way of identification, but to another way to just keep her close. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now, as the police that were searching the body of the properties, that's when they discovered Ruth, Ethel, Mariel, and Beryl, Beryl. Um, Geraldine, and the other three victims that he had just recently killed. John did admit that he killed seven people, but denies killing Geraldine. John tried to plead insane, but after evaluation, they determined that he was considered as as a hysterical personality. I wonder who he, if he's because you think he was if he admitted to all those other people, what the hell is another body? So we're we're gonna get into uh, that. Um, he was considered as a soci- sociopath. Yeah, and a necrophilia. Oh hell wow. on he's having sex in the bodies. He would have when he was. When they would pass out from the gas, he would have sex with them and choke them until they would die. When it was dead, then that's when he was like, okay, I'm satisfied. I had my, my you know,
1: I busted,
0: I'm good. So even though they weren't completely dead at the time, if it's considered as an unconscious body, it's still considered as a necrophilia. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah it gives me fucking chills Just, Um. At one point Jed said John said that his lawyer told him to say that because he was trying to plead like he was insane. insane. Um, told him to say that he had killed another kid in a different area, but he told the lawyer that he went and do that because he doesn't kill children. Now my thing is is like I get that you say that you don't kill children, but you had no problem killing two pregnant women and the one the second girl that was his last six victims, she was six months or I'm sorry, no no. Yeah, she was the pregnant girl. Beryl was the other pregnant girl. There was the um one sex worker that he invited to come look at this place. She was a mother of five. Even though he didn't kill the kids and she wasn't pregnant, you're still care- killing pregnant women. Yeah. So they're still technically killing children. Yeah. Um, but I guess in his eyes it's different than actually killing a child. Yeah. That's like already. Um, within four days and two hours, they found John guilty. He said he didn't even want to appeal the sentence. He was satisfied. Um, yeah, Tim's mom actually wrote John while he was in jail, pleading for him to confess the burial in Geraldine's death. Even though he had already admitted to burial, she just wanted to know like the whole truth of what happened because Tim had already got, her son um, already got killed. So she couldn't get the story from her son. She believed her son all the way and because he got home and they found out that um john actually admitted to burial she's like listen i want to know the whole fucking truth what happened to my grandfather what happened to my grandson what happened to my my daughter-in-law like what the yeah, fuck and then just think of all these that guy tried to say like i didn't do it this guy did it mm-hmm. you know well that's a lot of the details that i left, left out because when John actually ended it's to burial. That's when, like, the whole police department, like, went on this, like, oh, shit, what did we fucking do? Like, we, we felt. These police department, this police department felt so fucking bad that when they went into the garden, garden to look for certain, like, the bodies or whatever, or the body of Beryl. They, he, John actually had a fem- femur bone used as a pose for the gates. And they didn't even notice Yeah, they it. didn't even notice it. Wow. Are you serious? So yeah, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves for filling that man. Y'all y'all kill that man for what? Um on July 8th, public a publicist named George Rogers got to have an interview with John for about 45 minutes. John had an old only friend, a or the prison governor, and his sister Phyllis. Come visit him the night before his execution. George actually tried to get another interview, but John denied him. During his time inside the jail, he told inmates and the prison psychiatrist that he wanted to be like John Hay, who murdered six people. But John Christie wanted to kill 12 people. July 15, 1953, John was hung to death. So he had eight deaths, including um, Tim. Because technically he is yeah because reliable for her, yeah death. Yeah. Um, he could have actually had nine people. One lady's name was Margaret Forrest. She was supposed to meet him up for his special mixture of his medicine, but she actually ended up losing his address and never made it. Oh, yeah, what a happy accident! Like, I know I that's what like, she's probably she's thinking. Probably like, oh, I I, I dodged. Her. <laughs> okay. So that's the end of the little story. But here's my little thing, like the things that I was reading on and the things that I was like listening to. I'm like, oh, my God, that makes some point. Now, they say that Tim killed Geraldine and killed Beryl, right? But then they're saying that John did it. Well, they're both violent. Tim is considered as a drunk. He beats on his wife. And Beryl was strangled, and she was also beat to death. Twenty, she was beat twenty minutes prior before she died. She was beat so bad, like her top lip was touching her nose. Um, and yes, she was strangled by a rope, but there was no evidence of any kind—no hair samples, no fingerprints, nothing like that—for them to even put it on John. Geraldine was. Tied down with a, um, a pantyhose. pantyhose. Now remember, the only person that he strangled besides Geraldine with pantyhose was his wife, who also did not have carbon monoxide in her system. Beryl had carbon monoxide in. It, I believe. I believe. Um, I'm sorry. She had no carbon monoxide. Okay. Oh, no, 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 because she didn't have the mixture that she was trying to do the abortion thing. Yeah. So, I get what they're saying. Tim is considered to be known to beat his wife. He's drunk. Maybe he gets too drunk. He beats the shit out of his wife and accidentally kills her. He beats her so bad that he accidentally kills her. And then in one thing, one of his confessions, he said, yeah, I killed my wife. And then two days later, he didn't know what to do with Geraldine, so then he strangled her. And because he was so close friends with John, he started, like, figuring out things that John was doing. And that's why he took that route. Um, No rape kit was done on barrel because in the first time of the interview or confession, whatever, Tim confessed. So the the judge actually said, well, he's confessing. There's no need to do a rape test. But if they would have actually done the rape test, they could actually see if John or Tim did it. Because John's whole purpose of strangling these women to death was for the sex. He cannot get; he, he couldn't satisfy himself without choking them to death in the act of trying to get off. So that's the only reason why he killed these women, he didn't, besides his wife. You know, he felt like his wife was suffering. It was too late. Yeah, just go ahead and get it done in her yeah. way. hers was more like, yeah mercy. Or the rest of them was just for him to be able to bless the fucking night. You know what I mean? The whole movie died just so, just yeah. so a man could fucking get off. So that's why they're like thinking, okay, maybe they didn't go wrong with Tim because she didn't have no carbon monoxide, which that was his main thing. He didn't want to have sex with an actual dead person. He just wanted him unconscious, but. He killed them because he liked the um the mental strength of being able to say, like, I can control this. I can control you. I'm, I'm, like, I'm powerful, you know. So that's the only reason why, from what I've read, that's the reason why he was killing them. But his main purpose of, like, doing all that was just fucking sex with them. So if Barrow yeah, was going he, in for a... And he's not going to have sex with a baby. Yeah, like, he's crazy, but he's never. So, but they did say Beryl showed where she had intercourse. I don't mean that she didn't just recently have intercourse with her husband right. who decided to turn around, go get drunk and then come home and take it out on her and beat the fuck out of her and ends up killing her. So they don't really know who killed her and her daughter? Um, He takes credit for killing Beryl and the unborn baby. But they're pretty sure Tim was the one. Neither who- one of them will take credit for kill, killing Geraldine. Oh. Um, wow. So John, like I said, John, like his thing is, is he's not going to hurt child. He literally watched this child on a regular day basis with his wife. He showed love to this child. He fed this child. He yeah. you know, played with this child and stuff like that. If he was to strangle the child, I don't think he would have done anything sexual to him. But that's another thing where it came in is like, well, the mercy killing he did pantyhose with his wife, Geraldine was killed with a pantyhose. So is it another mercy kill? Or is it Tim just trying to be like a copycat trying to cover his, his tracks? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the big things that they were fucking going through. Um, another thing that they said was that even though Beryl had actually known John for about a year, and I can, could have, I agree with this, even though John admits that he killed Beryl, I honestly don't think he did. Um, I think he's just trying to take credit for it, just to, like boost up his like to have more like body count yeah because remember he said he wanted to be like this one guy who killed six people but his goal was like 12 um so beryl who had actually known john for over a year for about a year why in the hell would she allow this man to punch her in the face and then stay quiet for 20 minutes not crying not begging for help nothing like that and then allow her to choke her to death and not put up a fight. Where with your husband, you're kind of obligated at this time to do so. If he hits you and you call the police, what are the police going to do? That's your husband. You are his property at this time. You know, 1940s. World. That's how they looked at women. Like you are a property. So who's to say why? I feel like she would be more quiet and like the things that I was bringing on, I agree with these people. I feel like she would be more quiet with her husband beating her because she's done this all her life right. rather than a guy she's known only for a year beat her while she's pregnant and then not try to fire get away. So that's why I feel like maybe Tim actually did beat the shit out of her and killed her. Um, they both actually confessed to killing her. Because remember he said, no, uh, Tim said, no, I didn't do it. John did it. No, yeah. I did it. Because his first confession was probably the real confession. Yeah. Um, now I do feel like John had a lot to do with the situation. But I don't think John had anything to do with like actually murdering them, like physically murdering them. Some sources say that they were acting together, but that's from what the police and a lot of the sources were saying, that's probably not likely because one, these people, John and Tim had only known each other for about like a year. And usually if you go on a murder pack together, you got to have some type of like, um, a connection you got to have, um, you know, some, you, you got to have a, Something there where you can trust each other. They've only known each other for a year. Why would they trust each other enough to be a murderer? Yeah, to kill people. You know what I'm saying? Um, Plus, usually they don't do it exactly the same as each other. And there's, it's kind of hard for two killers to live in the same house and do the same exact fucking things. So, yeah, that's my little story. Well, little. it's not little. That was long. It took me like three freaking weeks to get down, and I left out a lot of fucking that shit. That was a good one. I can see why it took you. <laughs> good job. Thank you. I tried on this one. <laughs> I did. You see all my notes here, damn it. I had to rewrite them out. <laughs> all right, we're going to take one more break, and then we got our little crime stories. Yep, we have three. We got three little crime stories, and we'll tell you those, and then we're going to end it and call it a night. All right, so here's our little true crime stories. Um, this one takes place in Kansas City. So, says, 24-year-old Sean A. Sykes was in a car that was searched by police. They found a backpack that had various drugs and two handguns. handguns. While being interviewed by the police, Sean would lean to one side of his chair and fart loudly before answering his questions. The detective said that Sean farted so much that he is the interview. Um, yeah, motherfucker, do you realize you're still fucking going to jail, you nasty shit? Yeah. And then I didn't put in this one, but he got picked up again, like I think like a month or so later.
1: And Wait, he so he
0: never went to jail for that? No. Um, I can't or he like got was. out. I, he got out, and then he got arrested again, but he kind of front his way out of that one. That's fucking disgusting. Yeah. I used to always say that, like, if I ever got caught speeding, I was going to tell the cops, like, I was about to shit on myself. And I was already seen within, like, the last year and a half, like, three different stories where people got pulled over doing, like, 100-something, which I do not do even close to 100-something. Um, But they got pulled over for doing, like, 100-something when the police asked them, like, What are you like? Why are you speeding? It's like, oh, I gotta poop, and they so end up going to jail. Wait, my favorite one was—I think it was the lady was speeding, she got pulled over, and then the cop comes, she gets out of the car, and he's like, oh, what is this? And then to find out that the toddler had a skunk. skunk. Oh my god! Yeah, that's legitimate reason. He said she was like swerving all over the road. Didn't we see this on TikTok? I I can't. I I think it was TikTok. I think it was. Like the car, like he sees the car swerving all over the road or some shit, so he pulled her over and he sees her freaking out and like yelling and all this shit and he was like, What the hell? And like he comes up there and the lady like 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 she had this face or something, she's like trying to tell you and he's like, What wow. happened? He looks at the back, the little girl had like a skunk and the skunk done sprayed all over the car and the mom's like, Fucking help me <laughs> like, <laughs> And he was like, Oh no, <laughs> I can understand why you're speeding. Yes, by all means, please go home. Put your baby in a tomato soup (laughs) (laughs) way. You need me to go to the grocery store and buy you some tomato soup. I don't know how to get it out of your car, but I know if you wash yourself in tomato soup, it's supposed to get it off. I will go buy you some tomato soup because you and your baby need it. (laughs) But farting, though, really? Me, personally, if I was the cop, I'm like, you know what? You're fucking disgusting right now. I'm trying to talk to you. You're going to sit here and keep shit in my face. Now I'm going to hold you in the cell for 48 hours you get all that fucking gas out. And then we can fucking communicate like normal people. Ew. Okay, so if you've listened to our previous uh, episodes, I have this little black hat that I literally had to take Nursed her when she came out because her mom's nipple was bigger than her face, and this baby couldn't fucking get her mouth on the nipple to eat. So we named her Cheese which my brother said in Japanese, Cheese Side is supposed to mean small because she's a beady, beady little beady baby thing. but this bitch is pregnant, and this bitch smells like. I am gonna assume she has 10 kittens in her. I'm probably exaggerating, but all 10 of the motherfuckers that died inside of her because she's got the shits and gas so bad it will literally make you leave the room and not come in for like 45 minutes. And that's what the windows open and everything. She smells so bad. Oh, by the way, if anybody wants some kittens, let me know. They're free. Um, so... <laughs> oh, wait. Unless I got a patient here can wait. You can't yeah, you can. Don't they have different things? Because that's how you buy them, like, if you buy, like a, like, a bulldog or something, like, um, what are those big dogs, English bulldogs from, like, California, they, they have them? them. But it's not, like, UPS shipping, oh. they put it in a box. And <laughs> in it, so, like, I think they have, after, like, a pet carrier crate type. Oh, okay, it's, like, know. a UPS, but it's for animals. Okay. So <laughs> I think they can. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. They they all can go, Poop. I'll put them all in a box. I'll stab some holes in those boxes so they can breathe. Put a little bit of bowl of food and water in there. I'm over these cats, just so you guys know. I think my babies are coming home because my dogs are going crazy right now. All right, let's see if we can get the story in real quick. This story takes place in Texas, and in 2017, West Texas, 20 year old. Piani? I thought it was Canyon. Yeah, Kiani Keanu S- Siddiquia? That's what I thought. I had no idea. Um, was armed with a gun and got into an argument with his roommate. He found a roommate and demanded money. He eventually fell asleep. Wow, while well, his roommate still like tied up. Bond up? Okay. Um, he fell asleep and gave the roommate an opportunity to get free. Once free, the roommate went to the neighbor's apartment and called the cops. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know how to say it. Oh, name. I was but like I just, K. So I just put K like that. We're gonna call him Kanyani. So yeah, K has surrendered well within without incident and his bond was set to sixty thousand dollars. Wow, bro. Wow. Anyways, I think it's crazy, like he... Did he bond out for the sixty grand, or did he actually I stay don't, in jail? That is one thing I don't know. I just know it was set at sixty thousand dollars, but I don't know if he actually like bonded out of it. What? Or what did anything. he even get into an argument with his roommate it about? Didn't, it didn't even say. It just said he just got into an argument, and then he tied him up, and then demanded money, and then fell asleep. <sighs> and I don't even know what time this happened, but the um. Said so the roommate didn't break free until like four a.m. Wow. Nice. <laughs> All right, and our last little story, this one takes place in Florida. Whoop whoop, because you know it's Florida. people. Crazy. Um and in twenty twenty one. 77-year-old Judith Ann Black was charged with a felony after throwing a whopper at a Burger King employee. I told you no fucking tomato. Huh. Uh, Judith was angry over the thickness of her... Oh, my God. I was mad over the thickness of her tomato I went to the employee about her waffle. I went to tomato because you and almost everybody else that I know fucking hates tomatoes so it's like when I'm thinking of like when y'all get mad about certain things being on your food it's usually because of tomatoes put on your fucking food so that's why tomato went to my mind but I love that, like it's really about a tomato um the employee tried to calm down Judith but Judith decided to throw the whopper at the employee hitting her back. You won't believe what fucking happened to me today at work today, man. This lady got mad because her tomato was a little too thick and threw a whopper on my back. It stuck! <laughs> <laughs> Judith then stormed out saying different racial slurs at an employee. She called the employee the N-word and a stupid black why um, would police Oh, this is a place in the villages. Yeah. (laughs) They love you, villages. (laughs) Wildwood police booked her at the Sumner County Detention Center, but she was released on a $2,500 bond. Because Judith used racial slurs, it tra- it changed the charge from battery to a misdemeanor of first degree to a felony of third degree under the Florida state statute. Oh, so if you use racial slurs, you could uh, be charged for that in the state of Florida? Yes. But damn, with all the shit that's going on here, I'm surprised a lot of people ain't trying to do that. I write so butthurt about everything. That was that. Oh that my man God. Man over a god. <laughs> And now, so I wonder if this 77-year-old Judith Ian black is the one that I, uh, when I was in the villages at one time and I went to the Russell Stover's place, which I, I literally just told you the story, but it makes me laugh every time I went in there to put my job application in one time. And I seen the police out there with a old, old older woman in handcuffs and they were asking her where her husband was and she was like a hella fucking pissed she was like pussing at him she's like he's a fucking ass da, 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 da. and they were like well why did you steal the candy and like this and that and you see like their whole trunk was like covered in different fucking candies like this little lady went into ruffle sober's to stole to like steal fucking chocolate are you for real the village is be off the chain man People be thinking the hood's the life. Nah, no, go to the villages. Watch watch them older people out there act a fool. They really don't. Like, I, really, I love it out there because it's really fancy and nice. And it's like old Western style type thing. And I love it. But, like, and this is no offense to, like, you know, not everybody out there. I know everybody out there is not the same. But, like, some of them, like, they're so entitled. Like, they will literally try to run you over while you're in your car with their golf carts. Like they really do, like they're, they're like this is my road, and they will literally like cut you off and everything. Like it's they they don't give no fuck. So why? It's because they know that they're rich and they can do whatever they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to go back to my sister. So. All right, so that's our little story for the night. Um, this is episode twenty three. Uh, I'm not even going to go through all the shit tonight. You already know where to follow us. Spooks and Crimes on basically, or Spooks and Crimes podcast, basically on everything. Patreon, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that good shit. Uh, any comments, requests, personal stories, whatever. Spooks and Crimes podcast at com. And thank you everybody who keeps listening to us and keep sharing us to uh, other places. and. We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Bye!